welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Cool. Okay, so before I start, uh, Marco, no, those announcements, and Cheryl, where are you, Cheryl? Those announcements, you guys just take it a whole other level. Now, Marco, um, I know that you meant to say this, and I, I, under, I heard it what you're saying. I'm not sure if everyone else did, so just for the sake of everyone else. So you can see there's a sign that says exit, and it's like arrows pointing that way. We've been asked by the theater to actually when we're like going back to the vehicles and stuff to actually go through these doors, not to go back out through the foyer. Now, if you have children uh, in the children's church, then definitely go get your kids. But then we do, again, come back this way and exit through those side doors. So anyway, um, you know, I, I was really excited when I uh, found out that I was going to be preaching on the first time that we're all together. And I think I'm still excited. But the lights are really bright. I can see lots of faces. And it's a little disconcerting also to see everyone looking that way. So I'm just going to look that way too. Just, <laughs> for... <laughs> I think I'm getting a pulse. <laughs> anyways, anyways. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is, my name is Josh. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Fellowship. And uh, like I said before, I think I'm excited to, to be up front um, you know, whenever you're going to go and do something either in front of people or whether you're going to just perform in some way, you just want to feel at your best. And I definitely don't feel at my best. I like my, this shirt was inside out for most of the morning <laughs> and my wife pointed it out. And then I took a wrong turn on the way to church today. <laughs> and then I was going to the bathroom and I finished up and I was like, where's my mask? And I was like, I spent about a minute, like looking in the stall, like, where's my mask? I'm like, I'm just going to find another one. So I'm walking back, and I feel something in my pant leg, and I realize that my mask <laughs> fell down my pant leg. <laughs> so I also, when I get nervous, I deflect with humor um, to, like, protect myself and hopefully also lower expectations. <laughs> so, so we'll see what happens today. <laughs> oh, but you know what? I'm definitely going <laughs> to pray right now. <laughs> Father, you're good. You are so good to us, and you love us so, so much. And the worship this morning has just been, just to be all together. And, um, oh, it's been like uh, soothing for my heart and for my soul. It's exactly what I've needed on this kind of off morning. And so thank you for that gift. Thank you for the, the gift of friends and the gift of community and the gift of a church family. It's just so wonderful. And um, I know that you're here with me, and I know that you're also waiting for me at the end of this sermon, and I pray that this would be as positive an experience for everybody involved as possible. <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, so I got a, a few things I want to talk about today, um, and really what I want to talk about is, is citizenship. And what does it mean to be a citizen? And I've been, I've been thinking about this quite a bit, um, and I've got some really good notes here, uh, but I also know that what I want to talk about is, is a big topic. And 
there's a, a, a lot of, I basically can't touch everything that I really wish I could kind of touch on in here. So if you have questions after the service, uh, you know, any of the elders uh, would love to talk to you. Uh, if you have any criticisms um, or if there's anything you feel like I missed or if you're upset, uh, we really want to hear that as well. And so I'd ask you to email that to Pastor Greg at newlifekw.ca. Greg, you're over there, right? Yeah, he'll, he'll be happy to handle anything like that. Um, okay. Joke number two, done. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right. So citizenship. Uh, so some of you guys may know I, I, I own a business and my business does a lot of work with American companies, um, um, U.S. companies, U.S. organizations. And I, as a Canadian citizen, I get to, you know, do business with American companies. Um, and I don't have to pay anything um, most of the time. And it's free trade, generally speaking. So as a citizen of Canada, I get to interact with citizens of the U.S. And it works out really well. Um, so far, no one at the IRS knows my name, which I hope to keep it that way. Um, but even though you know the U.S. people, government, whatever, don't know me personally, they don't know about who I am as an individual. Um, I still get to operate within you know the treaty, the alliances that Canada has made with the United States and with with other countries around. So the, 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 the conditions, I guess, that apply to being a citizen of Canada, they, they apply to me on an individual level, even though, you know, I wasn't necessarily part of whatever arrangement or agreement was made on like that high, that high level. Now, citizenship in Canada and like any country comes with, you know, there's laws, you know, there's certain obligations that, you know, you have to kind of abide by um, or they throw you into jail. And those of you who know me, that's not something I ever want to have happened to me. I'm kind of afraid of that for a strange whatever. Anyway, I feel like any rational person should be afraid of going to prison. Hey, whatever, that's a whole other. Okay. So the, th the, the point I'm trying to hammer home, I'm not doing a great job, I don't think, but is that governments like make agreements together and then the individual citizens are bound by those agreements. Now, I was born into Canada. And so I am born a Canadian citizen. Um, and, and, you know, most of us here, I'm guessing, were, were born in, into Canadian citizenship as well. Um, most countries as well have ways of becoming a citizen as, uh, if, if you would like to become a citizen there. Now, in the same way that we're all born citizens of Canada, the United States, or or Britain, or Colombia, or wherever other countries people are from, we're also born into a spiritual citizenship as well. Now, this isn't like a geopolitical entity, obviously. This is something that's like on a spiritual level. And, you know, if you look in scripture, it, it describes it as you know, the kingdom of the world. Often it's, you know, the world, as, as Christians, if you hear Christians talking, you'll hear them throwing out phrases like the world. It's like, oh, the world says this, or, you know, being out in the world, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's sort of what we're all referring to is like, is this the kingdom of the kingdom of the world. Now, being a citizen of, of, of the world, as opposed to being a citizen of, of heaven, uh, which we're going to talk a lot about as well later, there's certain laws and obligations that, that come with that as well. And if you're, if you're a citizen of the world, you're operating under a system of laws that says everything comes from me. You know, everything, it all, it all depends on me. 
And if, if I don't have what it takes, then it's not going to happen. It doesn't get done. And I know that all of us experience, we know what it's like to live under that, that law, to live under that system of laws. Now, we're going to talk a bit more about that later, but this system of living is distinctly anti-dependent. It's distinctly individualistic. It's all about me and my interactions with you are happening against the backdrop or of, of undercurrent of what can you do for me? How can I get what I need from you? That, that, that colors everything. And people do that. There's a lot of different, you know, toolboxes that people use. There's a lot of different kind of tactics and strategies. Sometimes people are, are violent, whether physically violent or they're verbally violent, and they try to take what they need from you by force of some kind. You know, that's obviously really negative. It's like, it's very easy to identify that as a, as a bad thing. Other people <laughs> use humor to, you know, hopefully curry some favor. And so people are more or less likely to attack or criticize because they're laughing. And again, that is also, there's like a root kind of sort of like a manipulation under there because whoever this theoretical person might be, you know, maybe they're, they're not necessarily being vulnerable. They're not, they're not being honest. They're not, you know, bringing um, who they truly are to the table. They're trying to distract. They're trying to deflect because if I, sorry, if this person shows you weakness, <laughs> we all know who I'm talking about. If this person shows you weakness, then I'm open to be attacked by you as you're trying to get what you need from me. This is a, this is a system that is extremely damaging and is extremely hurtful. And the best you can hope for, the absolute best, is just to barely eke out a living, you know? In the same way that my, my kids have been watching a lot of the BBC world, kind of, you know, the nature documentaries and David Attenborough and all that stuff. And you just see like a style of life where it's like just meal to meal. And I really hope I'm still alive in time for the next meal. Like that's, that's what living in the kingdom of the world means. It means that I am always on the hunt. I'm always on the lookout, not only from other people who might be predators, but also from my prey. How can I get what I need? And I'll do whatever it takes to get that. We all know what it's like to live there. All of us do. There's a, a few different kind of phrases that have kind of been in my mind that as I, as I look at my life and I'm kind of asking myself, and I'm kind of asking you some similar, similar things like, what are the shoulds in your life? You know, what are the shoulds? What are the if onlys that you have in your life? Um, what about the, what are your as soon as I cans? What are those in your life? You know, I should be able to do this. I should be able to you know, grow my business to the next level. I should be able to get this done. I should be able to whatever. If only this wouldn't have happened. If only I hadn't made that mistake. If only I could get this person to notice me. If only I could be accepted for who I feel like I am on the outside. If only I wasn't looked down upon by everybody. Man, as soon as I can win this new client, as soon as I can get that, as soon as I can find the right person to hire and bring them on board, oh, that'll be said. As soon as I can be like that person, 
As soon as I, my house can look like that house. As soon as that group of people would just change and be better. It's kind of, it's really quiet. I hope it's because everyone's like, ooh, this is very thought provoking. So I'm just going to assume that. So, uh, so the next question is, is okay, so let, let's say that all these things, these lists, let's say all these things do happen. Well, what's, what's on the other side of that? You know, let's say, uh, so I actually, my business, I have been looking to hire a person, the right person. And I think I found the person uh, and they're starting in August and I'm excited about that. Um, and let's say it goes really great and, and they are the right person. Well, what's on the other side of that? You know? Great, my business has more capacity. You know, I can, I can adjust my offerings. I can kind of, the business can become kind of more of the kind of business I want it to be. Well, then what? You know? Let's say that you're... <laughs> I didn't want to talk about this. So I just, I just joined Noom. And... <laughs> And I didn't really, I mean, I've been kept it very quiet. I decided to bring it up in front of the internet for forever. So that's a, that was a good call. Uh, and I'm like, okay, man, as soon as I can get these, these eating habits. Oh, Sarah, you're wonderful. <laughs> as soon as I can get a drink of water. You know, what's on the other side of these things? Like you, we kind of set these benchmarks for ourselves. Okay. What's on the other side of that? Well, what's on the other side of the next one? What's on the other side of, of, of the next one? If you ask that enough times and you ask that honestly for yourself, you start to see something and it's, it, you start to see this, the, the goal line, the goalposts keep getting moved. And it's kind of like you're, you're chasing that carrot, not realizing that the monkey on your back is holding the carrot and you're, you're never going to grab it. When you're living in, in the kingdom of the world and you're living under those laws and those obligations, like nothing will be enough. When I was in college, I was, I had a friend who was much cooler and more adventurous than I was. And he's like, Hey Josh, we should go scrambling. And I was like, eggs. That sounds great. I don't know. What you're, he's like, no, 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 no. We're going to pick a mountain. And we're just going to run up the side of the mountain. And I was like, that sounds horrible, but I want your approval. So we're going to do it. And so we spent like, I don't know, it felt like seven or eight days. It was probably more like a few hours, but we were climbing up the side of this mountain um, in, in Alberta. I was uh, in going to school in Calgary at the time and I can see the top. I'm like, I can't wait to get to that spot because that means that I can be done and my knees are going to stop burning at least until it's time to go back down. I'm sure some other part of my body is going to start hurting uncontrollably. Uh, so I, I see that point and I get there and I realize and I learned by experience what a false summit is. Does anybody here have any familiar with the false summit? Yeah, there, there's something. So basically it's like you're climbing up a mountain and all you can see is a little, the top of the mountain you get there, but you realize, Oh, like there's actually the other summit is actually up there, but you, I couldn't see it before because my, my view was blocked by the first summit. And I was like, Oh boy, well, that's the right one for sure. Because I know, I don't know why I thought it was the next one was the right one. We like hit so many false summits and then it started to snow and get dark. And I looked back and I couldn't see our trail. And then I'm like, as a child, I had, <laughs> there were a few like animals that terrified me like rats. 
and snakes and wolves. And I was like, I'm going to get eaten by wolves. Like I'm going to be in the news, like unidentified remains found on the side of Mount Baldy. And I was like, <laughs> it was not a great situation. Um, but like, that's the kind of a life of false summits. Like, okay, that, this is where I'm going to hit. And if I can just get to that point, then I can relax, then I can rest, then I can go back down the mountain or then, then I can, you know, whatever. If I can just get that level of success, I'll show them. I'll finally, I'll prove to fill in the blank that I belong. I'll finally be attractive and worth pursuing. I'll finally prove my value to, you know, and who's that person in your mind? You know, I have one boss. I was 19. He was my boss for like a year. And I still, I still think about Kevin. Like, how old am I now? I just turned 36. That's like 17 years. 17 years later, like, I still am like proving myself to this, this boss. <laughs> I'll finally have a place where I can be safe. I'll finally be seen for the significance I'll be recognized for what I bring to the table. I'll finally be loved. I'll finally be worth something. But as anybody who's familiar with false summits are, and really all of us are, we're all familiar with that. We all know what that feeling's like. Success, congratulations. You get to level up, but really you're just starting over because now you have to hit something else. You start over only with higher stakes, and you know it's inevitable you're going to screw up. It's inevitable you're going to fail. And you're just going to come crashing down. And all those good feelings that you managed to accumulate in your way up that mountainside, just poof, gone. Just like that. You're going to have to ask yourself, is it really success if it can be taken away from you? Is it really success if it can be taken away from you? Now, some of us are more familiar with failure than others. Not going to name names because I want Pastor Greg to feel bad about things himself. It's really nice having someone I can make fun of. Again, it's, it's just deflection, right? You're seeing just deflection. Just if you, if you fail, well, you suck. I suck. Guilt. Shame. Get, on, get back up. Keep going. Try harder. Fail. Repeat. And this sets a cycle. And the interesting thing is, is like, regardless of whether the outcome is a success or a failure, it's kind of the same thing over and over. Like whether you win or you lose, like you're doing the same thing over and over. You're trying to hit a benchmark. And then if you win, great. Well, now there's the next benchmark. Keep going. If you fail, well, here's the next benchmark. Keep going. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what about things that happen to me that are beyond my ability to control? You know, maybe there's an accident and you get, you get physically hurt and your, your capacity is, is, you know, is, is depleted, whether it's your physical capacity or emotional or mental capacity or whatever. And suddenly you can't perform the way you used to. Boy, we know what that feels like. The inevitable result of this is you find yourself weary, weary and heavy laden, tired, absolutely exhausted. When you're living in the laws of the kingdom of the world, your ability to achieve and possess the things that give you a semblance of joy or peace or, you know, 
uh, rest, etc. Your ability to, to experience that is directly tied to your ability to control other people. Your ability to manipulate other people, your ability to control situations and circumstances. And that only leads to conflict. That only leads to frustration. At the end of the day, you will come across a problem bigger than you can control. You will encounter circumstances far beyond your capacity. You're condemned to a failed try harder and repeat treadmill. You're chasing a carrot in a race where the finish line is just a few more paces ahead. Even if you manage to achieve, it's gone in a whisper. Uh, in the fall, we had a, um, I had to make some significant changes to my business. And a big part of that was because it became very obvious to me very quickly that this, the pace of life that I had been pushing was not sustainable for me. It wasn't sustainable for Sarah. It wasn't sustainable for our kids. And I kind of had this wake up moment where I realized I, I quit my regular job 10 years ago, almost 10 years to like the week I think it had been when, when this happened. And it's like, and I have been reaching for success like constantly for 10 years. And it's not like, oh, like I'm going to run this, you know, crazy marathon or something. And like, I've got a 25 miles or however long it is. And I've got this goal way over here. No, it's like 10 years of feeling like success was like just this far away. Like, you know, if it's try something here. It's like, it's like, put your hand, everyone just put your hand up. It's like as high as you can. Okay, just a little higher. Okay, so the number of people who put their hand up and then I said a little higher, they could actually go higher. You can put your hand down. <laughs> like, the number of people who, like, if, if you feel like what you need to do is just a bit more, you dig deep and you find just that little bit extra, just a push, just to get it. And if success is always like just fingertips away, like that level of strain, like for 10 years, like that breaks people. Like, I know what this is like. I know what this feels like. It's, it's terrible. And you end up coming to a very harsh, very cold, painful reality. Number one, my efforts will inevitably fail to achieve my ultimate end goals. The second reality, which is, yeah, can be even more painful and difficult, is the problem is not my efforts. The problem is me. I am unable to generate my own sustenance. Welcome to exhaustion. <laughs> Welcome to frustration. Welcome to conflict. Welcome to guilt. Welcome to your treadmill. Thing is, is we don't have to stay citizens of the world. We don't have to stay citizens of, of the kingdom of the world. We have a way out. But in order to really understand our way out and to understand what, what God has done, we kind of have to understand what happened initially. And Genesis 3 describes those events. And it's, you know, the story about the first man, the first woman, first woman Adam and Eve. 
You know, most people can recite this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, it goes on the next couple chapters to describe you know, the different things, the different things that God created on the different days and what happened when and all that stuff. Can I fast forward to the point where God has created Adam and he's created Eve and he's created Eden. It's like they're, they're kind of they're, where they're living is, is, is the Bible talks about as a garden. Well, the really interesting things as well is that if you go, if you go to that specific passage, it just talks about how Eden is actually the, the place where four rivers kind of like flow out to the rest of the world. And I see that, I see that it's like, a, it's a picture of like that Eden is like the source, that center, like the, the place where, where everything flows out of. And Adam and Eve are in this place and it just, it's, you know, the scripture describes in like really beautiful terms. Like there's food everywhere, just growing everywhere. Like you don't have to work to get food. Temperature must have been perfect. You don't have to worry about clothing in, in Eden, apparently. Um, well, no, you didn't because that's what you, the scripture says. Every need, every, every possible need that you, that you would have is provided for. It's like an idyllic, like paradise-like existence. And if that's not enough, God himself is like physically present in Eden and going for walks with you every day, like in the evening. Wow. Like, can you imagine that? Like, I think it's great if I can go for a walk with my wife every day. I have to settle for the dog. Actually, I don't even do that. I, I've probably walked our dog like four times in my life. So I, anyway. <laughs> so in Eden, it's like this perfect life. Everything you could possibly imagine. It's like beach living without any guilt, without any obligation, with no place to go back to, no job to go back, no nothing. It's just like perfect contentment, perfect everything. And in this place, there was a law, like it's kind of like God created a kingdom and, and he's in charge of the kingdom and Adam and Eve are the citizens. And like we talked before, that if you're a citizen of a country, there's obligations that come with that. And so, okay, what are the obligations for Adam and Eve in, 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 in Eden? Most of you probably know. There's like literally one thing you can do. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Anything else you want to do, fair game. You can, I'm sure there are some sweet waterfalls for, for jumping off. Well, I would never do that. Someone else probably wouldn't, would really enjoy it. Like anything you can imagine, you can go and do. Like any like whale watching, you could probably do, they probably could do whale watching in Eden. Like there's probably like anything wor like that you could imagine Adam and Eve could do. And the one rule, the one law is don't eat from this tree. We all know what happened in an act of rebellion that was instigated by Satan, by God's enemy, Adam and Eve rejected God's leadership and they chose to eat the fruit, eat the fruit. If you think about it, they incited a rebellion. <laughs> they kind of started their own civil war with God and the insane thing about it is that God respected their decision. Like, he's like, if you want your own country, you want your own, that breaks my heart because I know what's beyond the borders of Eden, but that's what you want. That's what you chose. I respect that. I recognize your sovereignty. 
God recognizes our sovereignty. He's given us freedom. The only thing is what Adam and Eve discovered is around Eden was not more Eden. Around Eden was like the wildlands, you know? It's like, and that's kind of what the kingdom of the world is like. It's like the wildlands. It's like, it's like the wild west, except it's ruled by like a depraved, perverted gangster. Like, and that's, that's the world that we live in. It's every man for himself. It's dog eat dog. That's what living in the world is like. Now, every human today is born into that kingdom. Why? Because Adam and Eve, on behalf of all of humanity, made an agreement with God. We don't want to do what you want us to do. We want to do our own thing. We want to be equals with you. And so in the same way that I'm a citizen of Canada, because of what the government, or I'm a citizen of Canada, and so I can interact with my clients in the U.S. because of the agreement that Canada and the U.S. has made, I'm a, you know, I'm, I was born a citizen of the world, and there are agreements about how I must behave. For those people who are interested, God laid out a standard, a standard for, for, for interaction with him. Those are the Ten Commandments. It was a law, and God gave a law. Now, the reason that the law was given was not to say, here's, here's, how you, here's how you should interact with me. The reason that the law was given was to set the bar so impossibly high that we would realize, I can't do it. I can't do it. The law makes that clear to us, that the basis of, of our life, the things we inherited from Adam, it's all wrong and it will never work. That's the point of the law. The law makes a demand on us. And if we ever try to fulfill that demand, we find it can't happen. It can't happen. No one has ever lived up to the Ten Commandments by trying their best to do it. Like, try to go 24 hours. Like, you think it was like, I really hope I can remember all the Ten Commandments right now off the top of my head. I probably won't. Just like, just imagine all the Ten Commandments. There's like, you know, uh, remember God, like honor God. Um, remember the Sabbath day. This will be a group exercise, okay? If I can't remember when you guys tell them, fill it in. Remember the Sabbath day. Um, there. Don't kill. That, that one keeps slipping my mind. Don't kill. Uh, <laughs> If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, don't kill. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Respect your parents. Um, don't commit adultery. Uh, don't steal. Respect your parents. Respect your parents. <laughs> don't pepperoni on pizza. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, think that's, I think that's in the Mormon Bible, the pepperoni pizza one. or the. Um, even if you get the first nine, I think the number nine is like, don't, don't lie. I think even if you go through the whole day with knocking number one, numbers one to nine of the park, number 10, it'll get you every time. It's don't covet. Don't want something you don't have. Like have fun going four minutes without doing that. Like, and the thing is, is, is to, to, to succeed, to be able to interact with God, according to the standard he lays out in the law, it's not like you have to successfully do that for a 24 hour period. It's like starting at the beginning of your life till the end of your life. It's not like a graded assignment. It's a pass fail. And the, the first time you screw up, it's over. 
the law, like you can't, you cannot, <laughs> you can't do it. The law was given to show us that the way that we're living now, the resources of our life, you know, as, as, as a descendant of Adam is not workable. And then in what can only be described as an act of brazen, pure and brilliant love, God himself sent his son, Jesus into the wildlands, into enemy territory in the form of a man. And he, Jesus experienced the absolute worst there is to possibly experience suffering and ultimately executed tortured to death by his own creation. And in that moment, fulfilling the law and giving each member, each citizen of the kingdom of the world, an opportunity, an opportunity to change your citizenship. And that's what all of us in our life have been faced with. Some of us have made the choice to change your citizenship. Some of us haven't. So maybe some of us, maybe some of you've never been asked if you want to change your citizenship, but that's, that's an offering that's out to each one of us. Now, how do you go about and do it? Well, the apostle Paul writes about about this quite a bit. And Paul is, he was born uh, a Roman citizen. And so he he, he was a citizen of the Roman empire, which is like the dominant world force at the time. And there's a story about uh, Paul when he'd been taken into jail. I don't remember where in the Bible it is. Just Google it and you'll find it really fast. Um, and the jailer, who's actually like, he's, he's beating Paul. And in the middle of beating Paul, Paul says, hey, do you know that you're, pers- you're doing this to a Roman citizen right now? And the jailer freaks out because he knows like Roman citizens, there's certain obligations and benefits that come with being a Roman citizen. And he immediately stops. And he and Paul have a conversation. And the Roman citizens, uh, Paul says, I was born a Roman citizen. And the jailer says, I had to pay to become a Roman citizen. And to do that at the time was an exorbitant price a huge amount of money to become a Roman citizen. Becoming the citizen of another country, you have to abide by the process that 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 country has set out. And so what's the process from becoming a citizen of the world to becoming a citizen of God's country, citizen of heaven. And it's a trade. It's an exchange. I used to live under the old system of laws that said everything came from me. It all depends on me. It can't get done. But the way that God made for us to do that is to exchange everything that you define as belonging to you, to trade all of that for Jesus, for Jesus in you. First glance, it kind of seems like a really, really, like really expensive thing. Like everything belonging to me. Yep, absolutely. Romans 10 verse eight says, or 10, starting verse eight into verse nine, the word of faith we are proclaiming. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's easy to read. Like Jesus is Lord. Great. I said it. If you really dig in the word that Paul uses, because like the English translate English Bible we have is not the, uh, don't take this the wrong way. It's not like the real Bible. It's a translation of the real Bible. The word that Paul uses is Kyrios the word for Lord and the translation of Kyrios is a person exercising absolute ownership, giving Jesus absolute ownership over everything that is yours. It seems like a really steep price. My strength, 
we took our kids out to Boston pizza last night. It's like the most expensive meal out we've had in a year and a half, which is, I mean, haven't really eaten anywhere, but it was, felt really expensive. And there's like the TVs all around and like there was uh, WWE was on and my little boy's just like, but daddy, that guy threw a couch. Are you that strong? I was like, yeah, I'm that strong. Daddy, can you hit a man with a chair? It's like, I'm pretty sure I could. It's like my strength, giving up my strength. I have to give that up. Like, I don't want to give up my strength, my trophies, my accomplishments. Regardless of how silly it is. Here's a really, really silly accomplishment that I honestly, I still feel proud of today. I was the first child in my class to learn how to tie their shoes. <laughs> and if you ever get want to, I will show you, I can tie my shoes really fast. I can just do it. It's ridiculous. Like, but that's something like everything that you're proud of. You have to give it to Jesus, your track record, your ambition, your plans, the labels you have that you're proud of, the labels you have that you wish you didn't have your history, your regrets, your mistakes. The old version of you that got you into this mess in the first place. I look back at my life like, frick, that guy. I want to create distance between that Josh and who I am today because I'm a better person now. Amen. <laughs> okay, there's a right time for an amen, Marco, and there's a wrong time. <laughs> that was perfect. Your past, your present, your future. That version of yourself who's on the other side of figuring it all out and has got the house and has got the business, has got, you have to give that up. Your, your very self, that's what you have to give up. For what? For Jesus in you. For Eden inside. And if you agree to that exchange, there's a couple things that happen simultaneously, immediately. Number one, you are spiritually reborn. You are made completely new on the inside, from the inside out. Your old self, the screw up, the failure, the waste of space, the fill in the blank, is done away with, gone forever, destroyed, crucified with Jesus. Every single legitimate reason for guilt and shame, completely gone. Like that. John 3, the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the, one of the religious elite of the day. He was a, he's a teacher of the law, I think, Pharisee, one of the two. One of the religious elite. And he, he came to Jesus at night because he didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus. Because for the religious elite, Jesus was, he was a renegade. He was a man on the outside. He, 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 was, a, he was causing trouble. But Nicodemus was intrigued. He heard the things that Jesus said and he wanted to know more. So he goes to Jesus at the dead of night and... Jesus, he says, what do I have to do to be saved? And what does Jesus say? You must be born again. Nicodemus takes it completely the wrong way. He's like, how, like, I'm an old man. Like, how do I go back into my mother? Like, that's just a really weird kind of hard thing to consider. Uh, but he didn't get it. This is what he's talking about. This is what Jesus meant. When you make that trade, you make that exchange, your spirit, the epicenter of who you are, is permanently and irrevocably connected with Jesus Christ himself. You are one with Christ. 
If someone was to take a microscope and try to figure it out, they wouldn't be able to tell where you end and Jesus starts. Galatians 2.20. That's what Galatians 2.20 talks about. The third thing that happens is your citizenship with the world, the one that was attached to the old you, the old you that was killed with Christ, is now invalid, and you are born into the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom. Philippians 3.20, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. That's living in the wildlands. That's living under the gangster. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by that power enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 17, Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. When you make that trade, you become, you're, you're born into God's family. Jesus becomes your older brother. You're a member of his household. You're not a servant. You're not an unwanted house guest. You're not that relative who's kind of staying past their, their welcome. You're a treasured favorite child. And what is your life like? You're not, you're not taking on a whole, new, a whole new set of laws you have to live under anymore. Just like Eden in the, in the kingdom of heaven, there's one law. That's the law of Christ in you. Christianity is not a system of belief. It's not a creed. It is living with a person. As a Christian, you have Jesus within you at all times. And he is accompanying you everywhere you go. And it's easy to kind of think about maybe, maybe Jesus is sort of like up on the deck while you're doing the yard work, but he's not, he's right there with you. Christ is all. And in that everything, everything changes. My past changes. The things I used to be really ashamed of, God says, nope, those things don't belong to you anymore. And not only that, I promise you that everything, everything will work together for good for you who trust me. God promises to take the past that was a source of your guilt and your shame. And he's saying, if you let me, I will turn that into good. The most incredible thing that could ever happen. My today changes. I don't have to have an answer for the troubles I'm in right now because Jesus does. And as I engage with Jesus, I lean on him. I take steps of trust within me, sorry, steps of trust with him. He meets my needs. I don't have to try and steal from you. Keep looking at you, Hannah. I'm sorry. I don't have to try and take from you because I can find what I need from within. Jesus provides what I need as I, as I step forward, trusting in him. The old system of law it's still in our minds because we, 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 we live that way for so long. But the interesting thing about it is as citizens of heaven living in this world, our identity is we're, we're ambassadors. We've all heard that we're ambassadors for Christ, but think about what an ambassador has. An ambassador has diplomatic immunity. What diplomatic immunity means 
is you cannot be legally charged or prosecuted in the country where you live. You're governed by the country that you're a citizen of. So all of us believers in Christ, all the charges, all of the messages of guilt and the messages of shame that we're, we're uh, experiencing as we move through life, like we're, we're immune to that diplomat. We're diplomatically immune to that. They don't apply to us because that's, those are laws from another country. I can stop the ceaseless effort to control and to scheme. Jesus in me means I have access to permanent, untouchable peace and joy. It means I can relax the pressure to be more, the pressure to do more, to be a better person, to, to improve myself. Those things no longer apply to me because in my spirit, I'm one with Christ. Christ needs no improvement. <laughs> my future changes. God has taken responsibility for my future. He has a future for me. It's a good one. I don't have to be afraid of accidentally going the wrong way. I don't have to be afraid of alienating God. So at the end of the day, there's really a couple questions to ask. Number one, where's your citizenship right now? A lot of us, we can say, I'm a citizenship. I'm a citizen of heaven. And thank God. <laughs> thank God for that. But not all of us can say that. If you're not a citizen of heaven and you want to be, it's very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. You got to make that trade. Got to put it all down. Lay it all down and say, I want, I want Jesus in me. I want to put all that stuff, leave it all behind me. And I want Jesus in me. Second question, whose laws are you living by? And this is one for everybody. As believers that live in a fallen, broken world, Man, is it ever easy to slip back into the old patterns of trying to find my needs met in other people, in situations. Controlling and scheming is just a, just a, a heartbeat away for me. That's breaking the law. That's breaking the law of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the thing with the, king, the laws of the kingdom of heaven is that there's no penalty. The penalty is in the consequences of her actions. You know, I, I was uh, watching a short video by uh, Frank Friedman from OurResidentHope.com. Totally recommend checking that out. Um, and he talks about how, you know, as believers, we're called to walk with Jesus. And in scripture, there's different types of words, like the root Greek words used that are translated walk. And the one that, that Paul likes to use is the ones like, that means that the walk of a toddler. You know, I'm a dad and all of my children can walk uh, pretty well, better than me, a lot of them. Um, <laughs> and like my kids are learning to walk and they take a few steps and they fall over. Like I don't get mad at them or smack them or anything like that. Like, no, like, hey, you've stepped three steps. That's awesome. Like, like that's God's attitude towards us as we're, as, we're, as we're learning to live by the laws of the kingdom of heaven. And he's with us every moment. And the law, the only law that we have to live by is as we experience those, those feelings of guilt, those feelings of shame, those difficult things, it always our attention goes to Jesus. Always our attention goes to Jesus. Always our attention goes to Jesus. He is the source for everything. He's the, the fountainhead where all the other rivers flow out to the rest of the world. Like he is our source.
My business isn't my source. My wife isn't my source. My kids aren't my source. New Life Fellowship isn't my source. Jesus is my source for everything. And he loves me and he's surrounded me with lots of different cool channels and conduits that he can show and express his love to me. And my wife is part of that. And my church is part of that. My business is part of that. And my friends are part of that. And that's a lifestyle that God has for each one of us. So today I, I, I pray and I, <laughs> I beg with you and I plead with you, if you're not a citizen of heaven, please make the exchange, make the trade. You will not regret it for a single moment. Father, this turned out really well. Thank you. This was great. I had such a good time. I feel so fulfilled. I, can, I know that you're here with each one of us. And I just ask that you would be uh, continue your work of nudging and of prodding and of poking each person here. You're pursuing us with love uh, and, and drawing each person here uh, to a closer, more intimate uh, walk, a more intimate step-by-step uh, -step journey uh, with you. Thank you that I can count on you to do that. Thank you that we get, be, get to be together again. What a, what a great thing it is to, to share life with such wonderful friends. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.